This is the Christian Circle Podcast and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. Hi, welcome to the Christian Circle Podcast. It is 2019 and welcome to a new year. So you will have noticed that we actually didn't post any podcasts, any shows in the month of November and December. So what exactly happened was that my laptop broke down and I couldn't record, I couldn't upload, I couldn't edit any of our uh, previous shows that we did record. So we didn't have any posts, we didn't have any shows and nothing went up in November and December. And in fact, today's show is what we recorded in November. Basically, it was after, a little after All Saints Day and I think that's what you're going to hear a bit in the podcast. But we've taken the month of November in all of those shows and we're going to posted in January and that month was supposed to be on marriage so we're taking all those posts and dedicating January 2019 to marriage. Marriage has of course been one of our most popular uh, topics in this show and so we've got another special guest uh, next I think in another two weeks. So this year we're gonna go with a slightly different format. I've realized that it's extremely difficult to get uh, an episode out every week. Not because I don't like recording shows, I do like doing this but we've found it very hard to get guests and it's very difficult to get people to talk about their faith online. So what we're doing is we're going to do one episode every other week. And if we manage to find more people, we will definitely try and increase that or uh, ramp up the number of episodes. But I think we're at a very steady rate so far. So we have 41 uh, episodes right now that are live. And we're growing at a very steady rate because uh, we've got listeners from all over the world. And, and it's been great to hear feedback. It's been great to see that so many people are blessed, have some sort of advantage, um, understand a few things better. We've had uh, a lot of people who've written to us and told us how wonderful it is to hear something um, that has encouraged them. And at this very special time, I want to thank each of my uh, guests who've come here, taken out the time, you know, in their busy schedules and have actually put out so much of information and their books, their, their links, their posts. And all of the ideas that they've, uh, you know, spiritually gained through many, many years of Christian living. A uh, very special thanks to Charles as well. He's been our regular contributor. Uh, he's been here month after month after month, the whole of last year, doing um, an episode on Saints. And uh, we know you've really enjoyed those because we keep hearing a lot of feedback. Uh, we're trying to space that out a bit because uh, it's hard for him to to get back here every month. And uh, we hopefully will like to hear more from him on other subjects and you will know he's already published a book. And uh, hopefully we can get him on the show to talk about the book. So um, yeah, that's going to be our format for this year. I want to say thank you to all our listeners. A very special thank you to all those people who contributed to the Gift Miss um, campaign. It was astounding. We had $1,127, I think, that we raised for the Edmonton Food Bank. Now, I have no affiliation with the Edmonton Food Bank. I've never been to Canada. I don't know anyone who lives there except for Rhonda Parrish. Um, Rhonda has been an editor for a very long time. I don't even know her, to be honest. I happened to submit to her um, one of my short stories and got rejected. And then, you know, later she said, well, do you want to be part of this campaign? And I thought, wow. And so for the last three years, I've been part of this Giftmas campaign. And it's been really great. We started off with raising 500, then 700, then 750, 1000. And this year we actually crossed the 1000 mark. So we're doing uh, really great with that. Uh, there's a free Giftmas anthology, Advent anthology book that is basically a free you know collection of short stories that we were posting on all of our blogs you will have noticed mine and um, if you want to read all the other stories and didn't have the time to go to everybody's website it's all right you can just download it uh, it's on my homepage. you can just go and download it from there and uh, today so like I said we're doing the podcast with Michelle Fanley she's been married 18 years she's also been on this show as a guest before uh, with uh, Emily her co-author but today she's here alone and she's talking about marriage. 13 tips uh, on marriage. And she has some really great points. So, um, you know, if, if you'd really like to to listen and, and learn more. I mean, I learned quite a bit and I took notes. So um, I would suggest you listen to this and share it with all your friends. Uh, this is a, a very heartfelt uh, uh, show because I think Michelle has been very honest about, you know, what married life is like. So um, hopefully you will enjoy the show. And uh, write back to me. Let me know how you like it. If you have any comments, uh, we love to hear from you. So uh, sit back and Happy New Year again. 
My name is Michelle Stanley, and I am a wife of 18 years and a mother of four. And I am the co-director of the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference here in Columbus, Ohio. And we have annually about 4,000 women who attend our conference. And I also have a writing and speaking ministry with my friend Emily Jaminette. And we are the co-authors together of two books. Uh, first is Divine Mercy for Moms. Sharing the Lessons of St. Faustina, and the second one is The Friendship Project, which we shared on your wonderful podcast, yeah. uh, Catholic Women's Guide to Making and Keeping Fabulous Faith-Filled Friends. Yeah, so I, I did read uh, the book, and it's about saints, right? And um, we're, we're celebrating All Saints Day in another, in another week, I think. Yes, we did. We featured in each chapter, we featured saints that were friends on earth. So it was really a neat thing to look at that these women who lived at the same time on earth um, were friends and then they both became canonized saints or blessed in the Catholic Church. So it was really a fascinating topic to see how having these spiritual friendships can help us to become saints. In another 500 years, maybe we'd be be, uh, talking about St. Michelle and St. Emily, I guess. I would, you know, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. I hope that we, we just hope we make it to heaven, right? We hope we are saints. May not be with capital S's, but we, we hope we get there to, to heaven. That's the goal of our ministry, right? Yeah. And, and part of our goal is, is uh, living our vocation, right? And um, you've talked about, uh, I actually stumbled on your, your post on catholicmom.com. And you talk about marriage, and I think one of our most popular podcasts has been on marriage. So, um, you talk. Why did you write this post? Thirteen tips for your marriage. Well, it's kind of funny. I've not ever written on marriage before, and a lot of people have asked, you know, why doesn't your next book be on marriage? But when you look at your own marriage, it's it's hard, and you don't want. I mean, our marriage is not perfect. My husband and I have been married for eighteen, almost nineteen years now, and. Mm-hmm. But we've learned a lot, and and I've seen a lot of things that have been um, important in your marriage to have, and important spiritual elements to have in your to your marriage, and also just common sense uh, kind of ideas from other people, and seeing the mentorship of other people um, who have had good married lives, and that how that can help you in your marriage. So. What I did for this post at CatholicMom.com, uh, 13 Top Tips on Marriage, is I reached out to different friends who are authors and bloggers and asked mm-hmm. them, what's your favorite tip or what was the best advice you've ever gotten on marriage or learned in your marriage? And to share a little bit about why and then also to link back to a full article so people can really dive in and if they want to know more and get more ideas, that they could really learn more about good tips um, on marriage for people that have been married for many of us have been married for close to 20 years yeah wow you know that's amazing <laughs> and uh, in this day and age you know the sad thing is when you look at the divorce rate it's you know 50 or 60 percent so that that you make it this long is is something to be proud of but it, it takes a lot of work yeah yeah you know and it's 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 weird because um i remember uh, reading a post the other day and it said that in in Netherlands, I think, the there are about uh, four hundred thousand couples that have celebrated uh, marriage more than forty years. So, wow. and and we don't hear these good things in the news. You know, we hear all the bad stuff, all the sad stuff about marriage. But there are so many couples who who do who do make it right. Yes, absolutely, and it is always amazing to look at. A different couples and, and what they do to make make things work and how they make things work because nobody is perfect mm-hmm. and and when you're married you see the bad side of that person and the ugly side of that person a lot so it is it's a you know we talk later in the post about love is being a decision mm-hmm. and a decision you have to make every day sometimes every hour of the day <laughs> to, to be that loving person and, and to love that person uh, through thick and thin and it's, but it is worth it. It is definitely worth it to to put the effort in. But it's it's hard, and um, you know that love initial feeling. You know when you're first falling in love, that that type of loving feeling goes away. You know 
quickly as life settled it settles in over the mm-hmm. years. So you have to make that conscious decision every day to, 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 to love. And that's one of the most, you know, important things. And I don't think people realize that they, especially young couples, they mm-hmm. feel like, Oh, that feeling is gone. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't need to be with this person anymore. Yeah. And that's quite sad. Uh, but, but don't you think prayer is important? Like I, I, we keep hearing this statement from various people, you know, families that pray together, stay together. So, um, how would you suggest, or do you think that uh, prayer is important for, for couples? Yes, absolutely. And that was actually um, my tip in the post. I included my own tip because when my husband and I were preparing for marriage, we went to this, our wonderful pastor, Father Lutz at the time, and we sat down and he looked at us and he basically said, you have to pray together because if you don't, this will never work. So first, you know, learning how to pray together as a couple, which can be awkward at first because prayer is such an intimate experience. And especially as Catholics, we tend to pray quietly on our own. So to open up and to verbally, you know, pray out loud for at the time, you know, we were just engaged. But as that goes into when you're a married couple, it's it's an adjustment to, to learn how to pray. But it's such a beautiful gift to see what's on each other's hearts and it doesn't have to be very complicated when we started out we just looked up a book online it was called the engaged couple uh the prayer book for engaged couples Mm -hmm. and it was we would read it out loud and and it gave you kind of tips and things and prayers and then we went into sometimes just wrote prayers and praying the our father and hail mary together and and then just praying for what intentions are on our hearts and then as our family grew um, we included the children in in the prayer and also you know to remember also to pray for your spouse Mm -hmm. because sometimes we get so wrapped up you know we've got our list of prayer intentions Mm -hmm. and we pray for our friends and our children and all the special needs people are asking us to pray for but to remember to pray for your spouse and to pray for each day you know that pray that your spouse has a good day at work and then pray for their safety and their health and and pray for your marriage and that is a really important key piece in because without that that prayer component things we know that is a vital you know that's vital in my marriage to to keeping it alive and healthy and and keeping me loving mm-hmm. and you also mentioned that um you need grace from from christ himself to to survive in a marriage um i know that grace is a free gift that god gives us but uh, how would you explain this when you say that uh, Christ himself needs to be there? And this is a really beautiful article my friend Chiara wrote, and she lives in England, London, England. She's actually Italian. And she really shared that, you know, when we have those moments, when you're in that fight with your spouse that just will not end, or you're angry or you're resentful, that to bring that to Christ and that only in asking him and having him there to enter you know to be there in your behalf and that is where the graces will come to forgive to look past this to get past because you're not going to agree on everything in, mm-hmm. in your marriage so there may be some compromise but when you bring christ in to the argument or the disagreement then this is really an important thing that that christ can fill that that need and also something i learned you know, early on in my marriage is that you can't look for your spouse to fill every need for you, that mm-hmm. there is a void in our heart that can only be filled by God. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember thinking early on in marriage when I was lonely or I needed things that my spouse was going to fill all those needs. But I realized quickly that that, that space is that only God can fill that, mm-hmm. that hole in my heart. And that loneliness is an aching for God and my spouse is there to help me to get to heaven, but it will not, um, you know, he can't fill those needs fully. Would you suggest then, and I know that this is actually a must, that Catholics should be attending Mass every week, but would you suggest that couples attend Mass together every week? Yes, it is such such an important thing to, to go to Mass together. And I understand there are times in your marriage, you know, maybe with a new baby or this or that, that you may not be able to, but 
is such a powerful thing to go to, to mass together and to pray together and to receive the Eucharist together. Mm. And we really try as a family, even though it can be sometimes complicated or hard with sports and things, is to make it work to go to go to mass together. And you know, and if you can, you know, go to mass during the week together. Maybe if you can do a Saturday morning mass or you know other types of prayer together. If you can go to Eucharistic adoration together, mm. um, you know, take these opportunities of prayer into your marriage, and that is really um, a gift. For your marriage to be able to be able to do that to be in front of the Eucharist especially you know go to confession together I know mm. my husband and I always try to you know set it as a date like we're going to go to confession and then maybe we'll go to dinner together or yeah. something yeah. so to experience the sacraments together is really a powerful thing for your marriage another thing that we hear even in in the secular culture is is about communication and there are many forms of uh, communication that are not usually um, you know, the word kind. So I, I've heard data that says uh, people who cook together, uh, you know, do well. People who um, uh, do activities together, who close the day together, these people do well. What is it about communication with your spouse that is important? Because sometimes uh, we say the word communicate, but we don't really, we don't, we don't really do it. Yeah, so connecting um, with your spouse, especially learning to connect for me, to connect to a man and speak to him, uh, you know, on his, how he best communicates. I actually heard a, a great talk when I was um, working for a conference. We did a development day and they said, men and women, our brains are so different. And uh, a man's brain is like waffles. You think of each of those little squares in a waffle is a different compartment and they compartmentalize things and they're only thinking of one thing at a time mm. whereas women our brains are like spaghetti <laughs> and everything is all mixed in and interwoven and that's how kind of we function so one of the tips that I got from my friend Mary Kate who actually was on your podcast and mm-hmm. she's a marriage presenter she said you know a psychologist that presents with them said when you're talking with your husband women we like to sit and look each other face to face and and just keep talking 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 but mm-hmm. men sometimes to connect with them is they need to look at something else so maybe when you're driving in the car or maybe when you're you know he's working at the grill or so when he's looking at something else that he is focused on that's when you're going to have a better dialogue and i found this also as she told me the story that this is true like some of my husband and I's best dialogue is in the car (laughs) because right he's driving usually and staring at the road and and I can focus and look at look at him and talk to him and we can sometimes have really such a great dialogue when we're spending a lot of time in the car but you have to see what you know works for you in your marriage and what's going to work best for you and your spouse and if you know, like for me, I'm I'm a morning person and my husband is a, a night person. So he wants to have a discussion at 9 p.m. And I'd rather have that discussion at 7 a.m. So <laughs> we know for either of us, both of those times are not a good time to bring up a serious topic. So this is something we might need to say, I need to, you know, talk to you about something. Let's talk in, after dinner or let's, you know, make a, have a phone call in the middle of the day, something mm-hmm. that it's going to work for both of us that we're going to be able to communicate effectively to each other. And I'm not going to be tired and cranky or he, you know, he's not going to want to be up and, and talking about this. So finding what works for you in your marriage and what is going, knowing that other, what the other person's, you know, really their strengths and weaknesses and what's a, a good time and a good place to have that discussion. And another thing that um, uh, you've also discussed is, making date night a priority so a lot of couples i think uh later on you know because they're busy because they're kids they kind of ignore this or they just don't have the feeling and then they they kind of put it away why is this important it's always important to reconnect you know with your spouse and find out you know why you fell in love in in the first place and Mm -hmm. and to have discussions that are more than you know who's going to the grocery store and who's picking up the kids and Sometimes you're all such nuts, nuts and bolts that you're not having any good discussions just about life in general. So it, it's a lot of work. I know this is something we can struggle with because we have four kids and we both work full time. 
And sometimes it's just, you know, we're just too tired to make the effort. But you don't always have to go out on the town. Um, the, the woman who shared in my blog post, Ginny Coaches, she said, you know, we sometimes just wait till the kids go to bed and mm-hmm. have a cup of tea or have a glass of wine together and, and just take that time to reconnect and, and make the effort, though. I mean, I think if you get an opportunity... Um, like last weekend, it was homecoming weekend and my son was going to the dance. And so Mm -hmm. the other parents said, well, while the boys are at dinner, why don't the parents go out? And even though we, you know, we had our daughter, we had our other daughter to babysit, it was really fun and and a great time to just spend together as a couple and Mm -hmm. enjoying each other's company and and not talking about kids and carpools. (laughs) So, you know, really taking that time is, is important. So you get time to focus on each other, right? Yes, you need to focus on your marriage and not always your kids or your careers because it's like everyone says, you know, you turn around and you've been married for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does, time goes by quickly. So uh, another point that you mentioned is uh, don't play the comparison game. So. Uh, is this like you're comparing uh, yourself to each other or you're comparing yourself to other people? I didn't quite follow this. Um, I, really, um, comparing yourself to other to other marriages. Okay. You know, looking at, well, look what they have in, in their marriage mm. and their marriage is so perfect. Yeah. And, and I actually, when I requested um, tips for this post, I got this from several different bloggers because they said everything might look good on the outside, right, if someone's marriage, but you don't know what's going on inside that home. Mm-hmm. So when you're comparing and say, well, I wish, you know, I had a marriage like that, like that person or because look what they have. They have this beautiful home and they have beautiful children and they have two nice cars and, you know, <laughs> they always seem so happy or this or that. But you don't know what is going on and comparing is not good for anybody. There's nothing you're going to get that's good from that by just comparing. Mm-hmm. And so, um you know, but if we do compare ourselves, the suggestion, this is from um, our blogger friends at the Hail Mary blog, is to compare yourself to the saints, right? Because yeah. there were a lot of saints who were married to each other, and they both became saints. You know, most recently, we looked at Zelie Martin mm-hmm. and her husband. And, you know, they not only they were saints, but their daughter is a doctor of the church, Teresa Lassou, uh, and their other daughter, Leone, is a servant of God, and I believe another one of their daughters has recently their cause for canonization has been open and you know what a good example so if you want to look for ways to you know to emulate someone a a saint would be the way to look at their good and holy marriage but by looking at your neighbors and being jealous and envious of them um, it's not going to make your marriage any better and I think this is important because um uh, when we want to be uh, good businessmen, we want to emulate uh, Bill Gates. When we want to make yeah. more money, we want to emulate uh, Warren Buffett. Or, so I think it's important that we surround ourselves with good role models because uh, even in fa- even with couples who've, who've not had good role models in their parents, they can actually model themselves on these saints, right? Absolutely. Or find Find a couple, you know, maybe it's someone in your parish who's yeah. been married for 60 or 50 years, and, yeah. and they have some really beautiful wisdom sometimes on, on long, you know, looking at things long term and, and what's really important. And it's amazing to see these people who have been married, you know, longer than I've been alive. Yeah. And, and they can also give you some, you know, good ideas on, you know, what, what makes for a good marriage. Should it be part of parishes that, um, I don't know how it works in different archdioceses, but should it be part of parishes where these couples who have such a long uh, run actually uh, work with or um, be with these younger couples who are starting off in churches? Yeah, I think that is a wonderful idea and to have that mentorship. Mm. And, you know, I naturally, um, you know, had found, just happened to find some people that we became friends with who have been married for several several years before we were married that we became friends with and, and just seeing how they were with with each other and their children and their families and that was such a good role model for us to see and experience that to mm-hmm. understand and we were you know I was blessed my parents have been married for 
40 something mm-hmm. years and um but it's always good to look outside even your family mm-hmm. and, and to see these these role models and you know if you've been married for a long time to role model for others yeah. who are just getting married and and that's another reason you know I to write this post was to to share these little tidbits of knowledge for people that whether you've been married for one year or 20 years, they hope that you glean something from it. And um, you mentioned not keeping score. And, and I will say this is, this is I think, I, I love this point because I remember in my parents' marriage, uh, it was always my dad who apologized. I mean, you cannot even think, <laughs> there's, there's no question, my mother would never apologize. But it's it's nice to know that that this is important that you don't keep score of everything that is going on. Yes, and I love this point. This is from Danielle Bean, who was um, the brand manager of CatholicMom.com, and I know she's been married longer than than I have. And when you think, well, I have taken out the trash every <laughs> single day this every single week this year, or I have gone grocery shopping every single, or I have done this, or I've changed the toilet paper, or, and you can do on those things and it's easy to, to become resentful and instead to flip that and look at well you know what my husband has mowed the lawn every single week this year or my husband has done the dishes or my husband has gone to work for 80 hours this week right to look at the things your spouse has done and to be grateful for that and and to say thank you you know that's yeah. a really important thing to, to show your gratitude for those little things because when we take for granted these things our spouses are doing for us, then they do feel resentful. So something little when they come home and saying, thank you for working today, or thank you for bringing home your paycheck, or thank you for picking up the mail, or thank you. You know, if they do one of your jobs, I think for me, like my husband does the dishes, which is normally my job, you know, mm-hmm. that is something that really means a lot to me. So thank you for taking that off my plate. So to, you know, to be grateful instead of resentful and not keep track of everything I'm doing that makes me so such a great and perfect spouse and you're not. <laughs> and the next thing you, you said is uh, about respect. So um, I think we've had somebody who's, who's spoken about this before. I'm, and he said that men want to be respected and women want to be loved. So uh, I think respect goes both ways, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. And I think that we both, you know, we both want to feel respected in our opinions mm-hmm. and what we say. And you know, part of this this tip from um, Jessie was um, uh, she was saying, you know, just because you don't agree with what someone says. You're not going to agree on everything in your marriage, but you have to be respectful and be able to listen to the other side and listen to their points and have a, a good argument. You know, if you're going to, when you argue, there's a difference between having an argument and discussion and when you know you're ever talking to someone and they're they're not even listening and it's only their way and they're not going to hear what you say. So mm-hmm. part of being respectful and respecting in your, in your marriage is to be able to listen to their point and and you have, may have to compromise on, on things. And that's that's part of being being respectful and, and, and loving in, in, in that no matter too. You want to you feel that that it's important to feel respected by your spouse and, and what you have and what, what you have to say and what you feel and what's important to you. And there's a lot of compromise that comes with marriage mm-hmm. and and as as you go along the years, you realize what's really important and what's really worth fighting for and when when it's okay to just sometimes let things go. And just so that people would know, let's say, for example, now we, we, there's always going to be an argument about whom to vote for, where to send the kids to school or whatever, whatever. How do you, um, when people have different opinions, okay, in a, in a couple, how do you compromise? How do you decide which which road to take or how to meet halfway? Well, I think this is another example of when prayer is an important piece. When mm-hmm. you come to one of those gridlocks where, you know, something like, right, maybe if you disagree on schooling for your children or, you know, that's something that's going to be really important and you might be really resentful if you if you give in without looking deeper into the the situation and the choices. So number one, pray with your spouse about it. Um, mm-hmm. Get good counsel. You know, speak to other people. Um, 
you know, learn as much as you can about the choice you're going to have to make. And then, but once you make that decision, then don't, you, you have to stick with it and don't hang it over your spouse's head because sometimes you'll make a, a decision in your marriage. You know, for example, when we first got married, we chose to live in Columbus, Ohio, where I am not from. My family's from Indiana. And once we've settled and my husband, you know, he's an attorney and he has a law practice, like it's not easy. It would not be easy for us to switch. So it's something that I have to, we made that decision and, you know, I can't, you know, say, well, we should have lived here. I wish we had moved here. Like can't keep bringing that up in in your marriage because that is only going to cause harm and resentment, resentment Mm -hmm. and anger. So Mm -hmm. once you make that, important decision, then you have to live by it and and do your best to make it work and be happy for everyone. Mm -hmm. And you say don't put your marriage in the back burner when kids come along. Um, How often does this happen and and why shouldn't we do this? I think this happens in probably a majority of marriage. We put all of our time and effort into our kids and our kids' sports and our kids' activities and, and schooling. And we spend every moment of every day, you know, we're cooking and cleaning mm-hmm. and our lives revolve a lot of times around our kids. And some of that is, is necessary, mm-hmm. but if you spend all your time and energy on your, you know, say your work and your children, and then at the end of the day, there's nothing left to give for your spouse, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes back to the idea of making date night a priority and spending time with each other. Because when you've got nothing, you know, nothing left to give to your spouse, um, you let your your marriage, you know, it just kind of is, like you said, you like it's sitting on the back burner and it's just things are going are gonna to stew. <laughs> and it's not good things. So it's another, again, that time again to focus on both of you and to put priority on your marriage um, and you and your husband and, you know, you and your spouse and that you have that time together to, you know, to talk and discuss things. And and because people say all the time, you know, you you wake up and you've been married for 25 years and the kids are out of the house now and, (laughs) and you don't know the other person who's who's sleeping right next to you anymore, right? Because you spent the last 20 years raising your children and, mm-hmm. and not having any meaningful discussions about about anything. So it's an important piece to to reinvest in, in your time and, and in your marriage. Would you suggest that uh, couples should do at least one activity every, if not every day, at least every week together where they can grow together? Yes, and you know, another great thing to to consider doing is some kind of marriage retreat or Mm. just like a day of reflection on marriage. I know my husband and I have done several just, our diocese offers a yearly marriage retreat, Mm -hmm. and you just spend a full day, you're going to talks about marriage, you're going to mass together, you're going to confession together, you have a really nice lunch together. Mm -hmm. So those are always um, great opportunities, and and the church offers some very nice programs. Mm -hmm. You know, I have not been on one of the will speak very highly of marriage encounter, or if you're in a difficult marriage, um, Retrovi is really an excellent program Mm -hmm. for for those people who are struggling Mm -hmm. in their marriage. And back to uh, the words, I'm sorry, I guess, (laughs) but uh, saying the words, I'm sorry, how important is this? Yeah, that's another thing. And it's hard. I mean, it's hard to say, I'm sorry, period. And, and saying I'm sorry to your to your spouse can be really, really a difficult thing. Mm-hmm. But this is so important and means can mean so much when and when you realize you've made a mistake and or you're a total, you know, like a total wicked witch of the west, you know, <laughs> to come down and say I'm really sorry. And it it can smooth over a lot of things. And again, back to that being taken for granted and. Mm-hmm feeling resentful and respect, um, saying I'm sorry is really one of the greatest gifts, I think, of, and things you can do in your marriage. Uh, well, I'll just uh, throw in a few things there. Um, I'm, I'm saying this from my own parents' perspective. I think, you know, uh, people should consider what, consider that life is going to end. And uh, I'll be honest, when you're staring down a casket of, of your, your spouse, all those things, I mean, my mother always says now that, you know, those arguments, 
uh, all those fights really weren't important. They shouldn't have even happened. And she always says, I wish I had said sorry. So I think, you know, we need to consider that our spouses are not going to be with us forever and we are not going to be with them forever. And so the sooner we apologize, the more time we have with them. Yeah, absolutely. That's a beautiful, beautiful thought. And to really, right, never go to, you say, never go to bed angry, mm, right? To, yeah. Before you go to bed, say, you know, say you're sorry. And because there's nothing worse than, going to bed angry and then waking up and carrying that into the next day mm. and, and and it continues to fester yeah. that anger throughout your day and you know if when you just say you are sorry and end the argument and and start fresh it's a it's definitely a, a gift to your marriage and really that resentment it holds you prisoner yeah. you know it's and when you think you're given the cold shoulder and you know that that is just hurting you and 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 your spouse, but it's, it's you know it's hurting you as as well, and you have to 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 be the the stronger person to to apologize or to accept too when you've been hurt. And I know people there many people have been very hurt in their marriages, mm. and people have been betrayed, and people have you know had affairs on their spouse. And I I, I marvel at the, how they can forgive and accept forgiveness. Mm. So that's a an important thing to learn how to do because if you can do it for the little things along every day, I think that's how those marriages survive when they mm-hmm. go through a, a tragic and difficult time in their life. Yeah. And every marriage has its ups and downs, right? There's there's no one who's just got this smooth sailing uh, See, Everyone's got the stormy seas. Yes, absolutely. And that's you know one thing I talked a little bit down the line is you know, every marriage goes through a phase of disillusionment. Mm. And I know my friend Maria that you um, <laughs> interviewed, um, also she wrote this great post about, it's called The Season of Hate. And mm. I, I think it was a great and honest thing is that there's going to be times in your marriage that you really don't even like your spouse and you're, you're angry or yeah. just, you know, you feel like you don't even you know, want, you know, want to be part of this relationship anymore. You don't want to be around this person even more anymore. And, and then that's a, a, just because you're going through that stage in your marriage, it doesn't mean your marriage is over mm-hmm. and everybody goes through those periods. And it's another time to focus back on prayer and focus back on your relationship and spending time with your spouse and rediscovering, you know, each other and, and your love. And that, that happens in, in all marriages. So mm-hmm. I think people are embarrassed to admit it. And I think it was so refreshing when Maria wrote that because people were like, Oh, I'm normal that that happens. To me. <laughs> so you mentioned, you actually mentioned this. Don't believe the lie that you're stuck in an unhappy marriage or that there's no possible way to reach true joy. So uh, what do people do when they're in this, this phase of uh, disillusionment? Well, again, I think, you know, Personal prayer is a big piece to spend, mm. you know, and looking at, at how I'm going to change me yeah. because we can't spend the whole time thinking like my husband has to change this and my husband has to do that. Yeah. But instead go deep into prayer and look how I can be more loving. I can be more forgiving. I can be a better spouse. Mm. And by spending that time in prayer and changing yourself, that and growing in your own personal holiness, that that's going to help you just to become a better spouse. And then to praying for your spouse and praying together about what you're struggling with. I, I know priests have said to us, you know, you might say, oh, well, I, we've been praying, we've been praying about this. And he said, well, praying separately or praying together about mm-hmm. it. You know, are you being open and both praying together about this, this situation? And that is, you know, important piece to that, going back to that praying together and, and really asking the Lord to intercede and to help there to really be there and to show you, you know, the answer and, and the, the right thing to do. So we keep circling back to prayer in the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the last, uh, you, you mentioned pray before sex as well. So go on, elaborate on this. Yeah. And I think in, in every aspect of your marriage, you have to invite God in. Mm. 
Mm. And I think because sometimes we, we want to put God in the box and we only want to maybe have God at, at Sunday mass, or mm. maybe we're going to include them before we eat dinner, because, you know, that's okay to, to pray before meals, but prayer has to be an integral part of your daily life. Mm. Prayer has to be, you know, this conversation with God, we're having at all moments and all parts of our marriage. So we, you know, this, this tip on um, praying before sex was from um, Sarah Estabrooks and to Jesus sincerely. And, you know, that's the same thing when praying, um, you know, when you get to, into bed at night, praying together, spending that time with putting God into every moment mm-hmm. of your marriage, because he is, he's part of your marriage. It's, you know, it takes three to make a marriage, right? Yeah. It's you and God and your spouse, all three of you in that three-ply cord. And that's an important thing to incorporate God in every moment, in every decision, in every aspect. And, and it's right, we keep coming back to prayer because that is, that's what makes our, our marriages different from those who who don't have a sacramental marriage and don't get married with any any faith. That's what we, we have this gift yeah. of prayer and, and God as part of our, our marriage. And isn't um, Christ always with us? I, I think one of the things that um, your your last point also... If you are in, in that bad spot in your marriage, maybe your husband has had an affair, your wife has had an affair, or they are you found out they're looking at pornography, or you've just been, you know, hurt in, in some way. You just feel abandoned. They don't, they don't love you. They don't care for you. They're spending all their time on some hobby or out with their friends and they're not respecting you and not loving you and and you feel that rejection but to remember that Christ is is there for you and this is again another tip from my friend Maria who wrote on um, Mm -hmm. the disillusionment that she said you know the vocation of marriage it's not easy and sometimes we're going to have these heavy crosses in our marriage but even if if your spouse has felt like your spouse has abandoned you, that, that Christ never abandons us, that he will always feel that that God-shaped hole in our hearts and be there for you in your deepest, darkest moments. So know that, you know, and Christ brings hope. There is always hope yeah. in, in our relationship with Jesus so that, you know, that we are to be with him in eternity. And, and that is really, you know, the ultimate goal of our, our marriage is to help our spouse get to heaven. Yeah. And and it's not to be to be the cross, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but to really to urge them to be that best person they can be, to become a saint. And and we when we think of what our if that's what our goal in marriage is, it should change the perspective, you know, on things. As I'm it's my job to help you to become to become holy. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a big task. Yeah. But an important one, and when you look at your marriage in that light, um, it changes your perspective on on how you do things. And because I know I, you know, was watching a podcast today on, you know, it was about drug abuse, and it was talking about how this woman was saying how, you know, that's all her husband did is we we would drink and party, and you know, that's what their marriage was based on. But that's not a good and healthy marriage. That's Mm -hmm. not you're not helping your spouse. Uh, to to get to heaven by by partying and, and living that type of lifestyle, but instead to encourage our spouses to live, you know, what, with what God wants us to live, to be good husbands and wives, and and to love our children. One of our priests here, uh, he always says that you don't get married to be happy; you get married to be holy. And every time I say this to to you know secular friends, they just roll their eyes because they don't get it. <laughs> And that is that is a beautiful quote because it is it is true. You're and really being happy and you know marriage is you you find out really soon you're you're not happy all the time and that is for sure. But it is your job to hold each other's hand up yeah. in this world who is like right. Our world is is a very secular world. So so to live you know your faith out to live out the mission that God has given you that is your support that is your rock. And I know I couldn't do what I do in ministry for the Catholic Church without my husband's support, without mm-hmm. him helping, you know, with the kids when I do an out-of-town speaking engagement. You know, even mm-hmm. my job, you know, if he can't be helpful in the morning and take the kids to school and pick up the slack where I'm dropping the ball, um, 
I couldn't do what I do without without a support. So mm-hmm. it's so important. And, and the same I know for him that if you know I have to do things, you know, little it might be little things like picking up his prescriptions and making his lunch, and you mm-hmm. know, those type of little things just to support him in in the day to day journey that plays out in the end. And then and then encouraging them also always, you know, to grow in your faith, like. Yeah. You know, we started a women's Bible study, and we said, you know what, our husbands, they're missing out. Yeah. So they started on the opposite weeks we were meeting, and they were going to adoration and and then going out together as the guys. So encouraging your spouse to do those kind of things. And, and marriage is the only vocation where you can apply the drowning analogy, right? Where when something's happening and one partner is sinking, the other partner can raise them up and save them. And that goes for, for a lot of things, like if, if uh, you meet with unemployment or you lose a child or there's sickness in the family or there's something. Um, marriage is the only vocation where you have somebody with you who can, who can pick you up when you fall down. Yes, and that's, you know, that quote from Ecclesiastes, right? Like, yeah. two is better than one. If yeah. one falls, the other can raise the other up. And, and that is true. All those examples are perfect that you, that you gave because when you write, if my husband loses his job, I may need to pick up the slack and pick up a second job or you know when my husband was building a law practice I worked two jobs to mm-hmm. help cover the bills and you can you know work together as a team you're so much stronger when you work together as a team than mm-hmm. is when you instead of only looking out for yourself and and I think if you're uh, always looking for an out or you've come into the relationship thinking that one day you can just walk away then you're definitely going to split but if you look at it as a covenant marriage where uh, this is something you cannot walk away from, this is a, a vocation that is for life, forever, then you're probably going to do better. I think this is something that I heard with statistics, but I can't remember the stats also right now. Yes, absolutely. If you, you go in, you know, divorce isn't an option, you know. And, and I know many people who have struggled and had great, great struggles in their marriage. and But they said that divorce wasn't an option, and they... You know, I mean, it takes a lot of hard work and counsel, marriage counseling mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe retrovi and even temporary separation, but they continue to work and they continue to pray. Mm-hmm. And, and they've made it. And, and you've seen it in people who've had affairs and, you know, just terrible things in their marriage. But mm-hmm. they divorce wasn't an option. And so they worked and worked and worked. And it may have taken years. But many times, you know, they do say that if you have a, a difficult patch in your marriage if you can make it through that patch then in five years mm. you again have a very good and stable marriage and you will look back and you know and you'll have a better marriage and, yeah. and then you even did before that whatever happened so I know I've seen that in friends who've had infidelity and that that they have very they've they've braved it through that storm and their marriage is stronger mm. than it was before that even happened yeah so the differences actually can make you stronger, make your relationship much better, right? Yes, that it's good to build on each other's uh, strengths and to use them for, you know, what God's asked you to do in your life. And, you know, I, it's fun now when you have kids because the things I'm good at that I can help them with is are different things than, mm-hmm. you know, my husband is very athletic and, you know, he's taking my son out on the baseball field and pitching and practicing, but you know, I'm there to help him maybe with his English paper or, mm-hmm. you know, those are, are great things to, to have teamwork on, especially with kids and house mm-hmm. projects and all those types <laughs> of things. So, Michelle, where can people find you if they want you to come to their uh, conferences? And um... Yeah, so we would love if you um, could join us for Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. Our website is columbuscatholicwomen.com. And this post that we've been talking about, um, it's been um, on CatholicMom.com, but it's, and it's also on um, our website, DivineMercyForMoms.com. Okay. And uh, your, if people want to get in touch with you, they just write to the website? Yeah, right on those websites, uh, I have to contact us, and um, it goes right to my personal email. So I will answer. Happy to do so. Uh, and as I said at the beginning, I'm, we're certainly not marriage experts um, or any of the off, you know, but we um, we hope that it's helped you in a little in a little way. And um, 
and encouraged you um, because, you know, marriage is, you know, it's hard. It is not easy. And um, anyone who's been married for a long time will, will know that, but it is really a, you know, a beautiful gift um, to have, have a strong marriage and especially to have that faith-filled aspect to your marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and um, how did you actually meet your spouse? I mean, how, do you, how did you pray for your spouse before you got married? Um, well, it was kind of funny. It's a great little friendship story. So um, I went to college at Franciscan University, mm-hmm. and um, my friend Emily, that is my ministry partner, mm-hmm. when she was getting married here in Columbus, Ohio, and I came here to her wedding. And my husband was actually a family friend of theirs, and he had been helping uh, the family with the programs. He was serving Mass at the, the, the wedding Mass, mm-hmm. and Emily had jokingly told him, Matt, I'm going to find you a good Catholic wife. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know, at the wedding, um, another friend of mine was talking to Matt, and she said, hey, Michelle, come over here. And she said, well, why don't you tell me about your summer? And I started talking, and she walked away and left me with Matt. <laughs> so we really did meet at Emily and Don's wedding. We got engaged one year later on their uh, wedding anniversary, and mm-hmm. were married six months later. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, another really great blessing. Um, when we got married, we went on our honeymoon to Rome, and mm-hmm. a priest friend of ours was sitting there at the Pontifical Institute, and he helped us get the Spesnostra ticket. So we got to meet St. John Paul, the, the great, wow. and uh, he blessed our marriage. Wow. And I, I can say that's really been a highlight in both of our lives. You know, yeah. that we'll never forget that moment. And we had that special blessing yeah. um, on our marriage to, to help us start us out on the right track. Yeah. So I'm just curious, uh, did you pray for your spouse before before you even met him? Um, yes, I definitely, you know, and prayed that, you know, God would show me you know, who that person was and and, and for him that, that, you know, that, you know, and I think that's a wise thing for people to pray for their vocation in life mm-hmm. and to pray for their future spouse, whoever they may be, that they may do God's will in their life, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that you and come to grow in holiness even before you even know them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. St. Anne is that, I do believe, the patron yes. saint of <laughs> St. Anne, St. Anne, find me a man, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, absolutely. That's you know, if you are out there and you are not married, to certainly to, to pray in advance for for your spouse. Prayer is always the answer, right? Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> we're we're going back again and again to prayer. So thank you, Michelle, for for sharing these uh, these tips. Actually, we we took quite some time, but thank you so much for for taking the time in your busy schedule and talking to us about this. Oh, it was an honor, and and now, but I think my husband is home, so I will go spend some time with him. <laughs> All right.